You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to an emergency pod! <laughs> oh my god. I'm going to tell you right now, Frank, I don't have a ton of energy. Uh, what about kind of, effort? Maybe a little bit of that. I think I got a little effort it left in me. Energy, though, is at an all-time low. I've been working at this for the last, uh, what are we at, eight hours, nine hours? Um, so it it is late at night and... I'm pretty well sapped of energy, but that's okay uh, because we are going to record this thing and be all ready to go. Uh, obviously, an emergency pod because the Milwaukee Bucks have fired head coach Jason Kidd. And uh, I, I guess it comes as a little bit of surprise, I think. Um, it's funny. I was just kind of going through Twitter today uh, beforehand, and our, our friend Elijah Price had, had tweeted something out about I believe it was how many games in a row do you think the Bucks or how many games will the Bucks need to lose for Jason Kidd uh, to get fired or, or something of that nature? And one of the final options was he won't be like he can't be like that's not a thing that can happen. And I think like fifty percent of the vote went to that, and I was just like, oh, okay. I think maybe I understand the the fire kid angry mob a little bit more if. 50% of people believe that he can't be fired, and an hour later, Jason K was fired. It, it was just kind of, So, like I said, I think it's a surprise to a lot of people. It certainly caught me by surprise a little bit today, and now I think everyone, or I guess a majority of Bucks Twitter has kind of got what they wanted. You know what that sound is, Eric? What? That's the, that's the sound of relief. That, and that was that was honestly my emotion today because I, I think just everything about sort of <laughs> Jason Kidd's ongoing tenure was just stressful. Uh, I mean, we've talked – how many hours of our lives have we wasted talking about the Bucks' crappy defense and the predictability of their crappy defense for the last three years and – how many times have we talked about, you know, baffling late game moves that you don't have to be really a savvy basketball mind to understand that the math doesn't make sense or, you know, even dating back to the beginning of the Jason Kidd era, just the very awkward, sketchy way Jason Kidd even arrived in Milwaukee, right? I mean, yep. it, it's just been, it's been just a really, you know, difficult four years, three and a half years, I guess you'd say. Um, and you know, I, I, I keep coming back to, I think when, when Hammond, John Hammond left last summer and we were talking about, you know, the GM was going to have to, I think this was before, before the GM, 
um, was hired and eventually was obviously John Horst and that whole debacle of, of how that happened. But I think I said at least once, you know, that John Hammond leaving, new GM coming in, whether you think you're going to get, you know, friggin' RC Buford or whatever, this franchise was never going to get the reset that I think most people would agree it needed until Jason Kidd was gone. And there has just been so much baggage, whether it's, you know, and I think there were a lot of allusions to it today, but certainly Woj in, in his reporting, he was the one that broke the news. Um, but just, you know, the quote unquote misalignment frayed relationships um, with people in the front office, with, you know, members of the locker room. Um, I think oftentimes, you know, the, the feeling that Giannis was in kids camp or at least was loyal to kid, um, I think probably papered over, I think to a large extent, maybe how much of the locker room kid had slash didn't have. Um, and I think that was really the, the thing that we've always pointed to was if Jason Kidd is going to get fired during a season, I think pretty much everyone who looked at this objectively came to the conclusion that Jason Kidd is not the, the person to lead this team to, you know, to maximize its potential long term. So the question was always, you know, are the Bucks, will the Bucks be willing to do this in the summer? Will they be willing to do it earlier, given that you're probably not going to go out and find a new perfect head coach midway through a season you're probably just going to keep the existing staff and you're going to keep more or less the systems that jason kidd has has installed and that everybody always you know understandably complains about so i think there there are you know a few a few different things kind of at play here i mean we've got a couple days here this week to kind of unpack all of them but i think for me it was just this sense um i know a lot of people were kind of jubilant but i was just more just relieved just like getting this over with ripping the band-aid um not having to spend the rest of the season trying to convince people that it was okay and that, you know, barring some crazy turnaround, he was, in my view, I felt pretty confident he was not going to survive the summer just given how this team continued to play, the defensive issues that just never seemed to get resolved. Um, so I'm happy that, you know, as a fan base, that Bucks fans can finally kind of get this and it's cathartic for a lot of people. Um, you know, again, uh, whether the Bucks are immediately a much better team. I mean, that's obviously kind of a different question, but I think in the long term, obviously, um, you know, I think pretty much everyone that certainly I would say whose opinion I respect would say there had to be some other guy <laughs> that you go to. And that's obviously a, a whole nother discussion point at this point. But, um, but yeah, I, I, again, I think this was, um, I didn't necessarily expect it to happen. Um, but I think it says some interesting things about, maybe what was going on behind the scenes, which we don't necessarily have perfect information on. Um, we can see the losing on the court and the disappointment in the standings. Um, but I think Jason Kidd departing at this timing, I think also says a lot about John Horst. I think it says a lot about the organization behind Jason Kidd and the locker room and um, that things were, you know, worse than maybe a lot of people thought publicly. It's funny that you, you say it was more relief because uh, I would agree, it did feel like throughout this season, a, a common to talking point for us on this podcast was, I guess, somewhat of reassurance to people that, yes, Jason Kidd will get fired if the Bucks are not better. And like I said, I was kind of taken aback when I saw that Twitter poll. And, and I guess that, that I just think all that angst 
might have been about the idea that oh kid is boys with with the owners and you know they're just never going to to let go and they're they're never going to actually uh fire jason kidd and i think both of us felt pretty confident that if things progressed as as they were going thus far this year that jason kidd would not have been back um as the head coach next season and frankly i i was a little bit surprised that the bucks were actually willing to get rid of jason kidd in the middle of the season and like you said it, it speaks to i think we talked about a while back that if Jason Kidd was going to lose his job in season, it would be because of losing Giannis. But ultimately, I, I think as you hear some more stuff uh, come out that maybe it was he, he was losing other parts of the locker room. Yeah. And uh, I know Ryan Rossillo tweeted out today that um, he had heard that the relationship between Jabari Parker and Jason Kidd was so icy that, that they weren't even talking at this point. And I would say the icy relationship between Jabari Parker and Jason Kidd was – an open secret <laughs> um, just just around the team that obviously those two didn't really see eye to eye and and I know over the summer um, there was kind of that moment I think it was in the middle of May when Brian Windhorst had reported that well maybe Jason Kidd doesn't come back next year and that that was a time that Jabari on the record had mentioned how frustrating it was to to kind of deal with Jason Kidd and the fact that he was just receiving negative feedback all the time and obviously we've we've heard a lot about how Jabari's been well, last year at least was the guy that the defense being bad was kind of thrown on that okay the defense wasn't good and it was because of Jabari Parker and now I think as you see that. Jabari is getting ready to come back, and I think you have to wonder if that relationship was so icy. And you you listen to Wes Eden's talk to Matt Velasquez uh, in his story. He mentioned something about how they do believe in Jabari, and Jabari will help them win. And all of that just kind of points to me that okay, that Jabari relationship was really bad with Jason Kidd. And as you kind of look through some of the other things that have happened this year, I think you you look at Greg Monroe getting traded. Obviously, there was a number of times last year where I end up talking to Greg Monroe after a game, and it's a game that he gets DNP'd or he plays two minutes or, or whatever it may be. And those kind of moments weren't all that uncommon. Like this year, I had to have that, a conversation like that with Malcolm Brogdon when uh, I'm trying to remember how many minutes he played that night, but uh, it was a real low number. And I had to kind of track down Malcolm Brogdon and ask him, okay, how are you getting through this? Uh, as things and his role have changed, like that was another guy I talked to. And as you think about all those things, those that adds up. Like all of those things mean something, and and maybe the the biggest domino never f- fell. Like it, Giannis always uh, seemingly believed in him, but the rest of the locker room it, it appears didn't really um, have those same great relationships with Jason Kidd. And when we asked a couple players after the after the game if you know if this can be a, a reset button, and Malcolm Brogdon said, "Yeah, this this could be a chance for us to kind of reset this season and to." kind of get things righted and get the ship back together or get the ship right excuse me and get things back together and when you ask chris middleton he said no like i'm not going to blame this on a coach like jason's message hasn't become stale or anything like that like i'm not going to blame it all on him we just have to to kind of start playing better so uh, i think to me that's that's the big thing is throughout this year people ask me 
what would it take for Jason Kidd to get fired in season? And it was one Giannis or two a ten and twelve stretch like they had against um, in that the that February area last year, where uh, I think some people were wondering whether or not Jason Kidd's job would be safe when they lose ten of twelve, and then obviously they finish out the straight, the season really strong. But you look at the Bucks in the last nine games. Well, they've lost six of nine. And it's not quite that 10 of 12, but if your expectations are a little bit higher and you don't want to see this team almost follow the playoffs, which going into tonight's game, I think they were a half game in the playoffs, uh, just barely at at the eighth spot. So if, as ownership, you have those type of expectations, if uh, John Horse, you have those expectations, and they made very clear, or John Horse made very clear today that those are their expectations, well, if you see them in the eighth spot, uh, I, I can't imagine you can say you have high expectations and then allow that to continue to happen. Yeah, and <laughs> I wonder why John Horst gave that interview with uh, the big show on 105.7 like a week ago or whatever it was. I'm, I'm guessing it was some type of obligation to, to WSS or sorry, 105.7 um, because, you know, he kind of had to, you know, grin and bear it as he said that, everything was fine, you know, um, and everything was meeting expectations and blah, 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 and give sort of the, you know, diplomatic, nothing to see here answer. Um, and I think John Horst is, um, you know, I mean, we, we obviously talked a lot about John Horst this summer. We had to, I mean, for a guy who's been in Milwaukee, you know, going on a decade now, um, we had to figure out what John Horst was about and, you know, try to do our best projection of what John Horst would be like in this much bigger role as GM. And I think there was enough, you know, I'm, I'm my natural attitude. I mean, I, I can't survive as a Bucks fan without at least trying to give people the benefit of the doubt at the start, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, and, and granted, like betting against the Bucks is always a good bet, you know, like history says, like, if you just take the opposite of what the Bucks do and just act skeptical and cynical about what the Bucks do, you'll probably be able to say at the end of the day that you were right, especially Correct. given, you know, oh, if you're skeptical and cynical about the Bucks, you're always going to look, you're, you're always going to be right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like right now, um, if you bet that the next coach that gets hired by the Bucks doesn't win a championship with them, you're most likely going to be right. Correct. So just start betting on that because <laughs> It's really hard to win a championship. <laughs> you know, even even if they had perfect foresight, um, it's really hard to win a championship. Um, but you know, we heard enough things about John Horst, and I think you know, I've always had the attitude is about coaches as well as front office people. You know, if you can't get the gold plated, certified master GM, whatever, which is difficult, then then maybe you know roll the dice on somebody who's who's younger and has potential and again uh, certainly i did not expect john horse to be that guy because <laughs> yeah. i didn't know he was a candidate entering the summer but um he has you know you look at sort of the summer i think let's start with the negatives the dj wilson pick yep. not looking great right now um that may end up being his joe alexander pick you know what that was to john hammond's regime that first pick short timeline um, that could be, you know, something to look back on early, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But other than that, you know, getting Snell for an okay number, um, getting Bledsoe for, I think, you know, a good value yep. trade at the time. Um, and now, again, I mean, 
I know a lot of people are going to respond to saying, well, I'm not going to give horse credit for firing kid because he should have done it the day he <laughs> took the job or something. Yeah. Right. I, I get that. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I also would say John horse was a young GM who was, you know, in a very difficult position coming into that role and coming off a season where the Bucks had had some success at the oh, end. You, you um, guys don't want to pay me that much. Among the <laughs> least of all GMs. Also, yeah. I'm one of the youngest GMs in the league. How about this? Let's fire the head coach. <laughs> I don't think that's going to go all that well. Right. And and that was tough. And, and the other tough part, too, is and keep in mind, when he comes into that role, he doesn't have an assistant GM. He doesn't have a new staff. You know, the staff is in flux. And he's a young guy. I mean, he's how many how many head coaching hires had he been a part of? Like they hired Skiles when he had just shown up, and then they hired Larry Drew, yep. and then he was not part of the Jason Kidd hiring because nobody was part of the Jason Kidd hiring other than ownership. Um, so I get it. You know, I totally get that the sort of safe move for John Horst was to say, "All right, you know what? I'm going to bide my time." And I, again, I don't know. Horst said all the right things as far as you know saying he was going to work with Jason Kidd and looking forward to blah, blah, being very correct about that stuff. Um, but ultimately, you know, the timing of this is, you know, again, as much as an in-season move is tough because you can't overhaul the whole system, you can't overhaul the whole staff, you're going to kind of go with what you've got and hope that, you know, again, players respond really positively because, again, probably a lot of players are not thrilled with, the message or what they've been seeing from Jason Kidd over the last few years. And again, not that it changes overnight with, with the staff being, you know, basically the same, but, um, but you hope there's some kind of reaction there. And also, you know, the bucks, as you said, they've been on a bit of a skid. They're in the eighth spot, but they also have a weaker schedule coming up. And so if you were going to shoehorn a move in to where you set up the next coach, in this case, Joe Prunty, predictably being the interim coach, um, you have a better chance at least of, you know, having that guy, at least set up to succeed and at least have the team, you know, if you do this right before a killer road trip and then you lose five straight, then you're setting yourself up to look bad. If you're John Horace, you're setting yourself up to be second guessed, not so much by like Bucks hardcore fans who, you know, I think at this point are, are going to give John Horace a fair bit of leash here for the rest of the season. Like, you know, they're not going to expect that, um, that this dramatically turns everything around. It was really more about the big picture of sort of, you know, getting rid of kid and, and, you know, just making sure, you know, kill it until it's dead sort of type mindset. Like, I don't, you know, who cares about the short term? Just tell me that Jason kid's gone. Um, so, so it's interesting, but I will, I, I think I give John horse credit. I mean, and, and I think it's indicative people have doubt, you know, people have always been skeptical since he came for understandably. So to some extent, obviously, um, about how much control he'd have given all the questions that exist around John Hammond in part because of Jason kid, um, but ultimately, you know, this was a power move by John Horst. I, I don't, I, you know, again, I don't, I don't believe that he's going to fire, that he's going to be able to fire Jason Kidd if, you know, all three principal owners are against it. Right. Obviously yeah. there had to be, you know, consensus, which he alluded to. Um, but he took his chance and again, I mean, we'll see how it works out for this season, but, um, I think, you know, this was a move that I, I, I tip my cap to John Horst again. I feel like, you know, there's been, there's been a series of, of moves, I think over the course of the season, um, and fall that I think have made me feel better and better about Horst. 
and some, you know, hearing things anecdotally about some of the people around him. Um, again, we're a long ways from being out of the woods um, with the Bucks being, you know, <laughs> finally being that world class organization that, you know, everybody always likes to talk to and like, oh, championship and whatever, all that stuff. Um, but at least you can look at kind of what's happening. And, and by finally doing this, by pulling the band aid, again, the, the risk here is, you know, that you throw yourself into disarray. And, you know, players view you as not knowing what you're doing, not having a plan. I thought that was probably the most worrying thing today. The, 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 the biggest misstep today was Horst alluding to not having sort of a plan for a coaching staff as of today and needing until end of the week to get it. But then in the interviews um, subsequently, I think both Horst and Wes Edens made it clear that that Joe Prenti was going to be the interim coach for the rest of the year, which I think is kind of the most logical thing that we assumed was going to happen. But, um, but anyway, I, I, I want to acknowledge John Horst um, because I think, you know, again, like this was a step, you know, um, I don't know if this is like his, uh, you know, general manager bar mitzvah or something like that. Um, <laughs> but I would say to, to John Horst Mazel Tov, um, from Bucks fans, it was not an easy, you know, it, 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 you, we can say that it was an easy move. It was an obvious move. He should have done it six months ago, but being a 34 year old general manager and firing a hall of fame coach I mean, who is personality wise is, um, you know, a guy who, uh, you know, knows what he's doing. Uh, let's say, um, that was, that was not easy. And, um, you know, again, we, we can obviously split hairs, uh, all day about, about, you know, how long it took to get here and all this other stuff. But, um, I don't, is it a saying to say that like, uh, it's never too late to make the right decision or something like that. I don't know if that's really sure. true. I don't know if that's really true, but I'm going to say that in this case um, and say that I, I think, again, I think, um, you know, again, uh, and we can talk about expect. We'll probably talk about this next few days, but, you know, sort of expectations for the rest of the season. Um, you know, tough to say. I, I don't, again, I don't think there's going to be some, you know, massive, like, oh, they're going to go in in 50 games now because just by removing Jason Kidd, but um, I think in general, I think it, it does sort of clear the air around a lot of things. And, and selfishly, as Bucks fans, I would say it makes being a fan a lot easier, yeah. <laughs> which I haven't talked about much. But implicitly, I think um, and again, John Horst you know, said today that they don't while well, they appreciate their fan support. They don't make decisions based on fans uh, asking for coaches to be fired. But, um, you know, uh, let's just say it's a nice it's a nice dovetailing of uh, of fans, really sort of the the you know the the tipping point being reached, I think, with fans and kid, um, and an actual decision being made by the franchise. Um, whether that is uh, you know highly linked, sort of linked or not linked at all, um, I don't know if it really matters because I think for the vast majority of you know Bucks fans, um, at least the ones that whose opinions I care about, I think today was uh, was a good day and. Again, there's going to be people in the national media, you know, Jason Kidd water, water carriers and, and people who just don't pay attention. Maybe we're going to say, like, oh, you should have given them more time. Or, oh, it's a young team. But whatever. Um, you know, uh, I think I, I feel like in the belly of the beast, this this is something that I think had to happen. And you might as well do it now. I'm uncomfortable with how open ended you left that. Um, I will be a little bit less. So um, the fire kid movement 
didn't have anything to do with their decision. Like, I, I will say that. Were Bucks fans wrong to do it, though? I don't think so. Like, I, no. I, I think there, there was plenty of reason for it. And like I said, if your belief really was that Jason Kidd was unfireable and was never a guy that was going to, to leave, then okay. Like, I get it. And obviously, the Bucks Twitter took a lot of heat. Like uh, there was a bunch of national people making fun of them seemingly every other week, and I-, I didn't think it was justified. And as we've talked about throughout this entire year, that a lot of times when people would brush away Buck's Twitter being upset about Jason Kidd, they would do it for like the wrong reasons. And you would hear it and say, you can't brush Bucks fans off because you're not attacking the right angle. Like you're talking about the Bucks offense. That no, it's the defense. Like this is their whole thing. This is all of Bucks Twitter losing their mind over this, and you're not understanding why they're losing their mind. Um, so I, I will say that very much vindicated, not at all responsible. That that would be the way I would I would go about saying that. Um, but yeah, I do think that really going through all of this. Uh, Bucks fans will will end up being pretty pretty pleased, and I, I guess too. Uh, you mentioned the fact that they've put Joe Prunty in a spot to succeed, and I think one thing you and I have talked about is, and sometimes we we've done it before the podcast, and I think what we've done it here on the podcast was the Bucks are about to hit a stretch of their schedule where you could save your job. Like that, yeah. that very much could have happened. And I remember telling you, this Bucks team is going to rattle off a bunch before the All Star break. And when you look at those games leading up to it, Brooklyn, Chicago, Philly, Minnesota, Knicks, Nets, Knicks, Miami, Orlando, Atlanta, Denver. So you got eleven games there. And our friend Dean Maniat at all the Bucks. The Bucks next ten opponents average record. 409. That is their winning percentage. 409. So the Bucks could pile some up here, but if you are firing a coach, it, uh, again, uh, I guess w- if we would have been thinking more in the belief that we thought that there was a chance Jason Kidd was getting fired in the next month, this would have been the time to circle, right? In the same way that this is a good moment to sit out Giannis for the organization because you can get him those more days. A three-day rest period at home for your team, like yes, that is a great time to get rid of a head coach if that is what you want to do. That kind of gives that coach, whoever's in, and it's going to be Joe Prunty now. So Joe Prunty has three days. Next three days, kind of get everything ready. If you want to make any identity changes, I doubt it because Joe Prunty already ran the offense. Um, I guess it'll be more interesting to see if Sean Sweeney is still here at the end of this because, well, he's he's very much a Jason Kidd guy. Um, Prunty had had other jobs before Kidd, um, but Sweeney really hadn't. He was kind of just came up through the Nets and then with the Bucks and has grown and grown and kind of in that role. So it'll be interesting to see if he's around. But for Joe Prunty, this is three days where if you want to attempt to start changing the trajectory a little bit, obviously you're going to have the all-star break in a little bit less than a month. But for now, you have some time to get yourself ready for this. You have some time to hopefully prepare your team for it and – even with that, you have some time against some teams that 
that aren't particularly good that that you can try to get some get some wins against. So it, it'll be really interesting, I think, to see in these next three days, kind of what they can get done in that time and kind of how all of this works. And, and also, I'm I'm fascinated to see exactly what happens with the rest of this coaching staff because there's a lot of guys on here that that are kid guys um, that that kind of earn their stripes with Jason Kidd and you do wonder how many of those will be gone and I think Sweeney's at the top of the list because when you look at this team's performance this year it's defense where they've struggled the most and Sweeney is obviously the defensive coordinator he's the guy that's in charge there but he also he also took on a bunch of added responsibility like he's Giannis's guy those two live together they don't live together but like <laughs> they, they don't yeah they don't have an apartment on the east side like they're just around each other all the time. Like he is the guy that has been responsible for Giannis and his development. And in the same way, he's kind of done that same thing for Thon. And when I talked to Thon about it before the game, um, we were talking a little bit kind of about how all this all goes. And then I mentioned something that tonight might be the, the easy part of losing a coach. Like it happens three hours before, obviously that kind of throws you off, but you have a distraction. You have, you have the game. Like, that you have something to get ready for, you have something to play, you have something to kind of take your mind off it. But tomorrow, the reality kind of sets in for the entire team. Like Jason Kidd is gone, and then also maybe a guy like Sean Sweeney is gone. And Thon had mentioned, like, I've never been through this. I don't know how any of this works. Like, I'm asking guys on the team questions about how to get through this. I'm asking Jet, how how does this work? Like, what? How does this all go? And Thon also mentioned, like, you have personal relationships with these people. And when I brought up Sweeney and kind of went back in for a follow-up, um, I asked, well, this – I mean, this could mean that Sweeney is gone. Like, that that's a guy that you work out with all the time. That's a guy that has really helped out you and Giannis. And as I was finishing the question, he, he was sitting in his corner in the locker room and he kind of turned towards – there's a wood cabinet next to him and knocked on that, as in <laughs> – I really hope he's still here because that's going to be yeah. a, a big change for me. And it's it's something that I didn't really think about it until that that question was coming out of my mouth about personal relationships and kind of the the routine that you've gone through. And again, Thon has struggled this year, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of people listening to me say this and say, "Well, good, get rid of Sweeney. Like he hasn't helped out Thon at all." But at the same time. We've seen how much Sweeney has done with Giannis. We've seen how many different plays. I mean, he he's gone to Greece with him. He's been all over the world with him. He's trained him in Italy. It, like those two are pretty much inseparable. And Thon, maybe to a lesser extent, but he's been the guy that's primarily in charge of helping out Thon. And you just kind of think through um, some of these guys and the personal relationships that they were are going to have to figure out how they continue going forward or if they don't continue and that person is out of their life who fills that role who is who is the new Giannis guy who's the new Thon guy like who who fills in there so um to me that's something that is going to be really interesting to watch this week like we found out the the big piece that Prunty will be the interim coach and and I would say I think pretty much everyone assumed that even though John Horst was not willing to confirm it right away in the press conference tonight uh, and did so later but the rest of the stuff is kind of I don't want to say more interesting but certainly interesting to me because that's just a really difficult relationship to manage where you have 
the guy that ran your defense, which is obviously quite bad, and then the guy that was <laughs> very close with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, the that is something that that is difficult, and um, obviously we we saw a little bit of pushback from Giannis already um, in the conversation that was leaked to Ramona Shelburne uh, that she had with Jason Kidd. But uh, I don't know. I I think all of that stuff again. There, there's reason for excitement from Bucks fans that that Jason Kidd is no longer the head coach, and that's something that they've wanted for a long while. But at the same time, this is guys going through something for either the first time or the second time. And, again, Giannis saw Larry Drew leave, but at the same time I don't know that he had that same connection to Larry Drew. Like It, it felt like Kidd was more his first real connection as a coach. Well, and this is one of the things that um, I think in some of the the national media, like the, the disconnected media, let's say, um, like PTI, I saw, I saw the clip of, um, Michael Wilbon and, and Tony Kornheiser are talking about it, you know, briefly on PTI today. And they were like, they should have given Morgan more time. It's like, and it's just like, you know, you don't get it's it. a young team. Oh, give him more time. And it's like, all right, well, you guys don't give a shit about the Bucks, so whatever. Um, but I think the perception that there are kind of two things. A, just sort of the idea of like, oh, well, like they, you know, give Jason Kim more time. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of European soccer. And in European soccer, I mean, they like – you know, coaches win league championships and get fired at like the top clubs. Like it's, it's remarkable how much turnover there often is in terms of, um, you know, head coach and management at, at like great teams or, or just like guys just leave, you know, like they'll do really well. And then they'll just be like, eh, I'm just going to quit. Um, and I, I always think it's kind of interesting. I think in American sports, there's like much stronger, like sense of inertia. And I don't know if that's because of like differences in like contracts or something. I, I don't, I don't know why, that necessarily is but there is sort of this sense that like well we don't have a great coach but he's not bad it seems almost like the burden of proof is is to prove that you have a really bad coach rather than to say like we don't have a really good coach therefore we should get rid of him and try to find one that is and i think that's really an inflection point that if you're the bucks i think you have to switch your perception if you're going to be talking about championships then you can't just say well the coach hasn't proven himself to be horrible and obviously I'm not I'm I'm not going to say this about Jason Kidd because I think like I mean this is this is I mean Jason Kidd I mean and talk about providing ammo to people to make an argument for firing you right I mean your defense is always terrible basically the last few years um your record in year four is basically the same as it is in year one effectively and granted year one was a nice you know positive surprise but you know very little sort of progression in terms of trend and in terms of winning um and then, you know, obviously his personality, the all the questions about relationships, things like that. And then on top of that, I mean, just like these these random decisions he makes late in games where like anybody can tell that this is like lunacy, right? It's just kind of like equipping all different types of people with like, you know, ammunition to be like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Um, or, or this guy should know what he's doing, but like how is he coming to these conclusions? Um but anyway, let me let me kind of get off that track for a moment because I think the other thing that that people have talked about is is obviously the Giannis side of this, and you know we talked about it here briefly just the thought that like well maybe you know if you lose Giannis that's how you lose this job. Um, I mean, kid is smart, right? I think he knew. Um, and, and again, I'd be curious to know Giannis being so insular in terms of who trained him, who worked with him. I'd be curious to know how much of that is sort of Giannis's personality versus if the Bucks, the coaching staff, may have had something to do with that um and not to sound too conspiracy theorish uh, theory ish but um let's just say if you're jason kidd and there's an advantage to making sure that Giannis is your guy and 
and that, you know, uh, you know, and, uh, I, I don't, I hesitate to say Stockholm syndrome, but, <laughs> but, you know, to, to make sure that, that you keep him under your watchful eye and, and that you feel like, you know, he credits you with his success and, and, and whatever. And again, I'm, I'm not going to say for hundred percent certain that, that there was something that nefarious sort of in, in the whole process of training and, and whatever. I mean, I'm, you know, although I, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of uh, a lot of buck. We just had our Star Wars podcast, so I'm, I'm guessing um, a uh, Palpatine kid uh, sort of uh, <laughs> comparison would probably go over pretty well uh, among our listeners. But um, but I, I think it's interesting, and to me, like you know, there were there, so so let, let's deconstruct a little bit. So after the after the news breaks, Woj breaks it. Um, I got Chris it all in front of me. So Chris okay. Haynes says. Sources, Jason Kidd hasn't been officially told yet. Yanis Kumbo is devastated. Um, <laughs> which... Just, it just just sounds like so like it's so transparent where that where that would come from and the biases inherent of it. Uh, I, I don't know. I almost laughed at it, but of course, then like sports radio because that was like the first thing that came out. Everyone was immediately well, not everyone, but there were like all these people, and I was like, <gasps> well, Giannis is pissed off. He's going to leave in three years or well, because here's the thing, I would I would not doubt that Giannis is devastated. Like he's, I, I'm sure, I'm sure he would. Jay, I, I, I would have been shocked if you told me that that you know Giannis would want kid fired. Or Giannis would pass applauded the decision. Like yeah, not, like that was yeah. never going to be what happened. So I'm not. And a, all that all that tells you is that Giannis is a good person and correct. like nice and young, and, and maybe a little naive. Uh, yeah, and a hard worker, and he's and he's a guy who's gonna you know he's loyal. And, and, and he's, yeah. So like when I read it, devastated again is. I guess the big thing to me is Giannis Dedekumbo is devastated, is not directional in any way. Like, it is just a feeling, and the cause of that devastation is, to me, what is important. Because if he's devastated that his coach, the guy that kind of took him from a fun project to an NBA All-Star, and again... Buck's Twitter has obviously already kind of dissected exactly how much credit Jason Kidd can have, but whatever. It, he was there when Giannis went from a project to one of the five best players in the world. Sure. If he's devastated for that reason, like that coach is now gone, I would 100% buy it, and I think it's extremely logical. Now, if he's devastated because he loved Jason Kidd, and thought Jason Kidd knew exactly how to make this team a champion and he didn't want to ever play for any other coach in his life, like, if that's the reason for the devastation, okay, that is very serious and that that is worrisome. But that doesn't, to me, it doesn't really seem like exactly what happened. And obviously we heard some more from Ramona Shelburne. Uh, I'll just read through her tweets. Jason Kidd tells me ESPN or Jason Kidd tells ESPN that Milwaukee Bucks star Yance Dedekumbo called him about 15 minutes before Kidd was officially notified he'd been fired by the Bucks and offered to help save his job. Kidd, he called me and said, coach, this isn't right what they're about to do, but they're going to let you go. Kid says he told Adetokumbo that I had a feeling that that was going to take place. Kid says Adetokumbo replied, what can I do? I'll call the owners. I'll call my agent. Kid said he told him, there's nothing you can do. All you can do is tell the truth. That's it. <laughs> I have no idea what the truth is. The um, truth. Kid said he thinks. I don't think Jason Kidd wants the truth about Jason Kidd to get out. <laughs> 
Maybe not. Uh, Kid said he thanked Denakumo for his loyalty and that he was thankful to be able to coach him. And then finally, his closing kind of comment, I enjoyed my time in Milwaukee. There's no regrets. We took an organization that was in a bad place and shined a light on it. They're still young and running their race. Giannis is young and running his new race is one of the best players in the world. And that is the extent of Ramona Shelburne's uh, transcription of her conversation with Jason Kidd. Um, and again, you said this earlier, and, and I think it rings true to me. Jason Kidd is smart. Like it, Jason Kidd has managed to parlay a, a job in Brooklyn that maybe wasn't the best into a job in Milwaukee where he was potentially able to maybe have some personnel say um and then that was another job and he kept it for uh three years and he was here in his fourth year and uh, he's smart he's getting and he's getting paid for two more years correct like like you said he he very much gets this game and if i would have been asked to guess before this so the Woj news breaks if you ask me is is Jason Kidd going to go down without a fight and put out what was Fizdale's response? Just like, oh, you know, I really respect everyone in Memphis and everything when, you know, didn't go quite as planned. And it was very respectful and didn't all attempt to shine any extra light on him. I would have said, no, there's no way that Jason Kidd does that. He will do something here on the way out that will help him look better. And, I think a, a transcribed conversation tweeted out by an ESPN reporter of the conversation he had with Giannis Dedekumbo, I think does that. Did, as, a, as a journalist, did you find the way that that was reported? And, th- and again, this is probably less about Ramona Shelburne, just more about just the way these quotes kind of came out. How odd did you find the way that all sort of came out in, in just in the way it was sort of reported in the kind of direct quoting and all that. A direct quote means that that was all approved, right? Uh, like I, I would struggle to directly quote someone in tweets with something that they wanted on the record without first sending it to them and saying, is this accurate? Is this what you said? So, yeah, I would say I did find it strange. It, it wasn't just uh, the first tweet was kind of a, a sum up from Ramona. And then after that, it was very direct. And, yes, like a direct quotes from the coach with his conversation with his 23-year-old star is strange. And I know in, in Ramona's uh, story, there's a, a reference to um, at the end of it, Kid said something about um, – Kid said, that's the truth. You want to look at my phone and see the timestamps. Um, that's and, weird. And that, that was something <laughs> that so Ramona had put in the story. So I would say that, it one, it is weird. And the fact that that is put into her story would also suggest to me that this was – this kind of went down in a weird way um, for her to have direct quotes of that conversation. And also, if I'm Giannis Nenekumbo, I am – I'm not super pleased with what just went down. You're not super pleased with being used by Jason Kidd as a pawn in the feel bad for me. I'm a victim uh, side of this. Is that, that to be clear? That, that that's is correct. Saying? And because yeah. now he has to stand in front of me, in front of Matt Velasquez, in front of everyone in the Milwaukee media. And 
I mean, maybe by the time they actually have the Giannis speak to the media, maybe there's some national people that find their way to Milwaukee. So in front of us, he will have to confirm that conversation. Did those things actually get said? Because they are now public record. And that puts him in an awkward spot. Like he, he's 23 years old. Obviously, he, he really did like having Jason as his coach. But now he has to kind of answer to ownership uh, who might be like, what the heck, dude? Like, wh- what is that all about? And also he has to kind of answer these things publicly. And in a way, he's going to have to make some sort of stance on Jason Kidd. And well, if you said those things, then you must really have loved him. Or if you say, no, I didn't say those things, then you're painting Jason Kidd in a bad way. Like, it just puts him in a very precarious position. Well, here's a uh, here's another angle to this, too. I mean, um, I, I once had a, a job where um, I, I worked for my company's CEO. And at one point, my company's CEO was let go by the board. And it was very surprising the timing of it. Um, but I understood it (laughs) and I had a good relationship with him. He was very good to me and I felt, I felt bad for him on a personal level. Now he also, I don't know what his severance deal was, but I can assure you it was, he was going to be just fine. Um, and so I was sort of struck by this combination of feelings and I was sort of thinking about this today and granted very different situations, but, um, I think it's very possible to feel some degree of loyalty to someone who has been, you know, maybe not responsible for your professional development, but has at least been an enabler to it, has, you know, entrusted you with things, um, been around while you, you know, succeeded, got better, whatever. Um, by the way, I'm not trying to say that I'm the Giannis of business or something, <laughs> something like that. But to be clear, um, but uh, but I think it's it, it, it is not like binary to either dislike someone or, you know, you know, and I know this isn't what you're saying, but um, but or, or just like love them and be, you know, forever believing that they're perfect and great and should coach, you know, a, a basketball team forever. So I, I think it's also very possible that there, you know, are shades of gray of this where, yeah. um, you know, we've heard some whispers that you know, Giannis slash his agent would have at least, you know, would have had some wind of this possibility. Obviously, Giannis heard what was told before Kid was formally told um, at uh, a pizza restaurant, which I love, by the way. Um, if I'm if I'm getting fired or firing someone, screw it. Do it at a pizza place. Everybody loves pizza. Um Especially Rocky so, Rococo's, which Frank would enjoy that, to have sponsor I, our podcast. That, that would be that would be my preferred. Um, for anyone who ever may employ me and wants to wants to eventually know how to fire me, um, a Rocky <laughs> Rococo uh, slice super slice of extra cheesy superoni would be great. Um, I doubt that is. I know that is not where they went. Uh, so that's probably why Jason Kidd was bitter because he didn't get his Rockies on his that's way fair, out. Yeah. Um, but I think but, but I think they're 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 definitely like shades of gray. This Giannis probably knew something was possible. Um, and he gets the word because the buck said, you know, we're going to let him know. So he's not caught off, off guard. It just so happened that, you know, the way they probably tell Giannis before they're going to this meeting, Giannis then out of, you know, loyalty wants to call up kid. Maybe, maybe wants to make sure that kid understands that he didn't ask them to do this. Like he doesn't want culpability. 
um, even if maybe he doesn't have as strong of opinion. Because quite honestly, I think it's very possible that, Jason, that Giannis could feel affection, could view Kidd as a mentor, but could also understand that Jason Kidd is not going to lead me to a championship. And Giannis knows he's not going to save Kidd's job at that point. Yeah, you know, like offering to call. I mean, again, I don't want to cast aspersions on Giannis or whatever with this, and I'm, I know I'm like totally psychoanalyzing all this, but, um, but I think again, before we sort of just like assume like either Giannis is hopelessly broken and oh, he's he thought Jason Kidd was the best ever. Um, I think it's very possible that Giannis can at once feel a lot of loyalty to Jason Kidd, feel like he wanted to talk to him before shit went down get to him first um but also can understand that you know what something's got to change and this might be for the best so anyway that's just my personal i don't know if i'd even call it a theory but um you know i i i really struggle with and, and i don't think i don't think most people i don't know i haven't seen a lot of this i've just seen sort of allusions to it from some of the national media folks about like oh like the bucks can't fire a kid because 23 year old Giannis likes him um you know, this then and whatever the the Steph Curry Mark Jackson thing is has been brought up probably the most, but um, you know it it's it's very common for young players to have their coaches fired because they're just you know disappointing as coaches, and it's like you know I mean remember when Boogie like like the the Kings firing Mike Malone was legitimately stupid way back when yep and you know Boogie was reportedly pissed off about it. And Boogie still would have gladly taken that Supermax if they had offered it to him yep. <laughs> before he got traded. You know, I mean, the, I think people, you know, again, the the clock is kind of ticking. But like, you know, again, the important thing and I know I don't want to I don't want to talk about it tonight because I think it's a holdover of the conversation we can get to. But the obvious important question is not just should you fire a kid? The obvious it's a two part question, you know, fire a kid. Yes who do you replace him with, you know, and obviously for the short term, it's just going to be Joe Prunty, but, um, certainly, you know, <laughs> there's no payoff in terms of championship unless you then make the right choice afterwards. If you go and look at the coaches that have won NBA championships, it's basically Teron Lou and a bunch of like great coaches. Um, so that's Shame. to say, that's to say that, that, you know, mediocre, average, decent coaches don't win championships. They do win coach of the year. <laughs> they, they do win coach of the year awards. There's a, there was like a great run of like Avery Johnson and Mike Brown and, you know, a whole bunch of Sam Mitchell, I think also yeah. won coach of the year. Um, but winning championships, that is hard and you need, you need a great coach. And again, I, I don't necessarily know off the top of my head who, who that coach is going to be. Um, we can speculate that for the next few months. Um, but that's also I, I feel like it's also really backwards because I've heard of a few other people say like, well, it's it doesn't it doesn't matter if you fire a kid if you don't then hire the right guy. It's like, well, yeah, I get it. Like it's necessary but not sufficient to fire a kid, right? Like you, it's a necessary first step, but it's not you know automatically going to take you somewhere. But you know, it's like it's like saying like, well, your marriage sucks, but like, well, being single also kind of sucks. You, what if your next wife is just as bad? You know. <laughs> Well, what? Like, so you just give up? <laughs> like, you know? So, anyway, um, I'll 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 just end my whole rant slash random meanderings with that, Eric. And uh, God bless you for having to try to do something with it. 
Yeah, I I would love to put you on a couch and kind of dig into some stuff here, Frank, because got a lot of stuff going on in your mind. But I think one of the points that you make that I think we can probably kind of wrap things up here is that people are complex. I think we're all very aware of the many different truths that can be a part of your psyche at any given time. And in in believing that Giannis is very loyal and very upset, I can also believe that he's smart enough to know that Jason Kidd isn't the, isn't the right answer for him, wasn't going to be the coach that ultimately won him a championship. And I, I think he can, he can believe both of those things at the same time. I don't think there's any reason to think that he is not, uh, I guess, intelligent enough for – it's not even intelligent. Like that's just being a human being, being able to have different things. So the fact that it isn't black or white that oh, I hate Jason Kidd or I love Jason Kidd, like I I, I think there, that's kind of the complexities of being a human being, that you can understand all those things kind of at the same time and have different things that pull you in different directions and instead of a black and white – option at the end it's something that's clearly a, a shade of gray so um I, I would agree with much of that um anything else you want to talk about uh, we can talk about um i'm sure in the next couple of days we'll learn more about the coaching staff and who stays and who goes so i'm sure we'll talk about that i'm sure we'll also learn uh, a little bit more we've learned some names that are possibilities um for the head coach job at the at the end of this season and in the summer um i'm sure we can go through some of those um we got three days Wait. to do it so, Wait, should should we spend like five minutes, which probably become ten minutes, talking about the actual NBA basketball game that happened tonight? Should we? Let's let's do it real quick. And I have to say, going into this game, I, I mentioned on Saturday against the Sixers, I felt this like weird level of sort of ambivalence. Like I was kind of like, oh, we'll see see what happens in this game. But like I felt very not emotionally vested. I felt pretty similar in this game, which. I didn't expect because I figured, oh, like I'd really want them to win because I want them. I mean, getting a win after a day like this is a huge boost to a team emotionally, you know, because mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to have this firing stuff hanging over your head and then you lose one game. And then what if you lose two games? You know, if you lose to Brooklyn on Friday after losing to Phoenix on Monday, even without Giannis, I mean, it just, it just, it's just a really it's like a lot of just negativity <laughs> that suddenly is floating around the team yeah. so i would say tonight's win the 109 105 over the phoenix suns it was not a work of art oh. um it was not a good win um it was you know again a team that even without Giannis, i think is better less sloppy i mean both teams are sloppy um, Eric Bledsoe is still throwing around the back passes into the stand, stands as we speak oh. right now. Um, but uh, the Bucks were just a little bit, had their shit together just a little bit more. And Chris Middleton, who ironically, <laughs> like justifiably, we, we, we have wrung our hands over Chris's performances in big games. We have wrung our hands over Chris asking, is he good enough to be a number two? And yet every time Giannis has been out, he in, in four games without Giannis, he's averaging 33 points, eight boards, and five assists. Granted, two of those games are against the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. Sure. But he did have a triple-double against the the, Warrior, the uh, Sixers as well. Um, but Chris Middleton, tough shot express, all the stuff that Jason Choo-choo. Kidd sort of – all the stuff that Jason Kidd decried last Wednesday about playing selfish, it worked tonight, um, at least in that fourth quarter. 
Um, not not that they were universally just uniformly selfish throughout the game. I'm not saying that, but let's be honest. You put one, Tyler game... Eulis on Chris Middleton. He is taking his ass to the post, <laughs> and he's going to post him up, and he's going to hit a mid range jumper fading away on him. I'll tell you that, that right now. That that was probably less offensive. The when Chris tried to cook Greg Monroe and had to settle for like a hyper contested <laughs> fadeaway twenty footer from the corner. I was like, wow. Well, that's. That that's why Chris isn't necessarily the mismatch him against bigs and uses quickness guy, um, but he made that one too. Yep. <laughs> and ultimately, um, Chris Middleton was very good. But Malcolm Brogdon was that guy against yes. Dra- Dragon Bender. Give me yes. that matchup all day. Good God, yes. I've never seen shout Malcolm. Out, I've never seen sh- him that confident. Yeah, shout out Malcolm Brogdon. Um, we I. I I guess we still don't know why he missed the game on Saturday, right? Well, we know his personal reasons. Did we ever hear anything? Uh, it was personal reasons. Matt and I asked about it tonight and didn't really get any answers. So, I'd, well, you know. yeah, okay. Well, obviously, either way, you know, you just cross your fingers, hope Malcolm, everything's fine. Um, and certainly the way he played tonight, um, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the best scoring night of his career. I, I was shocked that he had never scored more than 22 points in a game. Same. Totally agree. Uh, <laughs> and tonight he goes 11 out of 14 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 7 of 8 from the foul line, 4 boards, 2 assists, 3 steals. Did turn it over 5 times, but um, 32 points plus 16, game high. Um, he was terrific and was you know every bit as good, if not better, than, than Chris. And am I am I crazy? I wasn't I, – honestly, I, I maybe I wasn't paying attention close enough, but Devin Booker goes 2 out of 14 in this game, scores 14 points because he got to the line a bunch, but was – was Devin Booker guarded well by Malcolm Brogdon, or was that somebody else? I thought Brogdon nope, defended Brogdon. him for a bit. Yep. Yeah, so Brogdon did a really nice job on Clay Thompson, as you guys recall. What was that? A, a little over a week ago? Yep. And then does it again against Devin Booker. And obviously these guys, you know, they had bad shooting nights. Like, there's luck involved anytime you, you know, hold Devin Booker to 2 out of 14. But um, Malcolm, who has been obviously, I think, justifiably, maybe not – much maligned but i think certainly among kind of hardcore bucks fans we probably don't didn't talk about it as enough just because i don't know it's not like the most obvious like easiest thing to point to but his defense has not been sort of what you would have hoped i think this season and he maybe is showing signs of of really playing at a much higher level and um that's obviously uh that's obviously great to see because um (laughs) i'm also kind of thinking i was just thinking as well not to divert back into the kid stuff but it'll be funny to see how these how different players play after this after the the kid firing because it's kind of interesting like we all talk about Giannis and the relationship with with kid and i think you know when players first come to Milwaukee, i think there is sort of a wow factor for a lot of guys playing from playing for jason kid there's legit legitimizing factor that kid had with a number of people you know free agents even greg monroe um but it's like when you go down the rest of the roster, is there anybody else on the roster other than Giannis and Jason Terry who you'd look at and say, those guys are definitely Jason Kidd guys. Like, those guys are loyal to Jason Kidd. Or or does everybody else – everybody else seems like they might be part of the crowd that quite possibly was really not fans of Jason Kidd. Am I, am I wrong here? And obviously Malcolm scoring 32, Chris scoring 35, you know, like whatever. They, they obviously – 
we're in pretty good mindsets tonight. But um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not I sure there's anybody that would I, that would surprise me. Let's just say that. I'm, other than Jet and and Giannis, who I, would shock me if you told me that they actually hated Jason Kidd. I don't know if anybody else would shock me if you if you told me that they did not like playing for Jason Kidd. Um. Yeah. Probably not. I, I was thinking maybe Chris a, a little bit, but some of the selfish comments and some of the the age comments that. Jason did publicly in the last month or so, I think could probably rub Chris the wrong way. Um, and also he plays an insane minute load, which could rub Chris the wrong way. Um, so yeah, the, he would be the only one that I would have maybe some hesitance on, but the rest of the roster, yeah, eh, I, I would think so. Cause anybody else, maybe Marshall Plumley, maybe not. Um, but everybody else <laughs> but, has, has kind of been dragged around and had their role messed with at some point or been asked to do something that maybe they don't really want to do or maybe they're asked to do something they're not particularly good at. Like I would say everyone else on that roster, maybe Delhi, maybe not Delhi. Because Delhi, no, yeah, that's Delhi has gotten got too many minutes. Delhi's yeah. gotten a lot of minutes, <laughs> and Jason was very clearly a fan. Um, so yeah, I would say. Delhi, Giannis, and Jet. Those those three would probably be the ones for me. Yeah. And by the way, you I don't know if you would have been aware of maybe you saw it on Twitter. Um, but uh if everyone even missed the game tonight, um there was a priceless moment. A couple of fun moments. One moment, I think it I don't know when it was, but Marshall Plumley was in the game and I think Malcolm had like a three point play or something, and um Plumley like gives him like a high five, like kind of like a side high five so like i think malcolm was expecting like just like a high five and then like a and then be done with it and plumley like just like clenched onto his arm like almost like they were like arm wrestling for a second and was just like yeah and brogdon gave this look on the replay of just like he like kind of laughed he's like what are you doing all right all right man like all right we're good yeah yeah all right i'm pumped too (laughs) um so that was moment one that i just really enjoyed um and again, we still we we need, well, obviously we're going to spend one of these days that we've got this week uh, just talking about Marshall Plumley. It'll be the Marshall Plumley podcast. Um, so that was nice. And then the other one was um, <laughs> you you wouldn't have seen it because because you were at the game. But um, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, obviously they do the fourth quarter shootout on Fox Sports Wisconsin. The person picked Giannis Adetokounmpo, and. Uh, when they do pick somebody who's not playing, then they'll they'll the broadcasting will pick somebody for the the viewer. And so Jim Paschke just says he just says we'll pick Marshall Plumley. And obviously, <laughs> like everybody, you know, like my reaction, I was just like, oh, that seems like harsh, like picking like Marshall Plumley, the guy who like you know he's not going to score first. Yeah. And so you know, obviously, at first you're thinking like, oh man, is Jim trying to like you know screw this person? <laughs> out of whatever prize yeah. you can win and uh and it, and it, there was just like a little like bit of like silence and then i i forget the exact phrasing but, but i think like one of the things is like if you get it then then you win like a bucks media guide or whatever mm-hmm. i think you automatically win a bucks media guide and marcus johnson was just kind of like you could just tell he must have been just smiling and just like trying to contain himself but he was just like so are we running short on media guides or something <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. And he said it like a couple more times, and it was just uh, it was just a plus Marcus Johnson work. Um, yeah, I I have been Mar- Marcus Marcus and Jim um, bring me bring me great joy. Uh, I enjoyed I've, I I do enjoy them together. So all anyway, right, that's all. 
That's Bucks all I have. Win. We should stop. 109, 105. I'm exhausted. I want to be done with this, so we're going to be done with it. Uh, Chris Middleton. Who am I kidding? You guys don't actually care about that. Jason Kidd has been fired as the Milwaukee Bucks head coach, <laughs> and the Bucks will move forward with Joe Prunty as their interim coach for the rest of the season. This has been Locked on Bucks. It was an emergency pod. I don't have the energy to raise my voice, so you're just going to have to deal with me saying that. We will be back tomorrow. I'm sure we will have more than enough to talk about, and we will do all of that here on Locked on Bucks. For Frank, I'm Eric. We will talk to you tomorrow.